Uh, hello, everyone. We're back on Philosophy for the People with me and Ben. And I just finished reading the article because I forgot it was Sunday. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I was arguing with a friend of the show, Doug Lane, on an extra hour for our magazine show. And we were arguing about, <laughs> you know, as, as me and Doug do, I was defending the Soviet Union and, and free will and compatibilism specifically, uh, while, while Doug was attacking those two. And Doug said, you know, kind of, he basically implied that I didn't really believe in compatibilism and that it was just kind of something I said to kind of rescue human freedom from kind of abandon, like, you, you know, you, you want to keep human freedom because it's useful for various things and kind of we're lost without it, but you don't really believe it. But what I think about is most interesting about compatibilism is that Doug is, is wrong here and that I really do believe in compatibilism, like right down to my bones. I really, really believe in it. But I can very easily see why some people don't. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to take the sensible centrist position, which is uh, yes, incompatibilism, uh, no on Stalinism. But uh, yeah. wow, this is very rude to Khrushchev. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, even in the Khrushchev era, as they say, uh, mistakes were made. But because uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know, uh, we should we should that say was very loud. Whatever that was. Uh, that was the the digging of expressive. Let me just hit uh, that. Yeah. App. Um, so, so yeah, so I should say for anybody who's, who's tuned in and has no idea either, you know, what we're talking about in terms of the underlying issue or what we're talking about in terms of the, uh, the, the setup, uh, that, um, I, so for the last month or so, I've been doing this philosophy substack, uh, philosophy for the people, uh, every, uh, every Sunday, uh, afternoon in um, in America and some other time of day, whatever that weird country is that Stefan is in, uh, uh, we, we are talking about about the essays, and this one is about uh, compatibilism partially, right? It's, it's about this sort of more general issue about free will, and uh, specifically, it's about Sam Harris and uh, a book that he wrote about free will and a lecture that he gave about it uh, that you can find on YouTube and why the arguments that he makes in there in those places against free will and specifically against compatibilism I don't think are are very convincing right but I, I guess just the last little bit of scene setting we should probably do um, is okay we say compatibilism what you know that's that's not a that's not a household word right i mean what is that compatible with what with what yeah yeah exactly so uh yeah, to be a compatibilist about something is to think the two things are compatible uh in this case the things that are thought to be compatible are determinism and free will so if uh, and and it is funny i was thinking about what you're describing you know i think actually both good way of maybe introducing like sort of easy to what compatibilism is and also maybe a good way of pushing it again 
you know, making your point that no, Doug is wrong. You really do believe this to your bones uh, is by thinking about just kind of a goofy example. Like um, if, you know, if you think um, like, let's say you're going to move, you're going to meet your friend for lunch and um, you've made plans, picked a restaurant, all this stuff. You show up. Uh, we'll set this example before the age of smartphones. So, like, there's just there's no way to easily get in touch with them. And you're sitting there for like an hour, two hours, and just never shows up. Track him down. So, what the hell? What, what the hell, man? We had plans. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't. I say, oh, what do you mean you couldn't? He said, well, you see, everything <laughs> that ever happened, decision making of the human brain is a result of complex chains of cause and effect. And so from the Big Bang singularity up until my deciding that I didn't feel like going to lunch, uh, there was there were these unbreakable chains of cause and effect. Uh, therefore, there's no sense in which I could have done it. Therefore, it's, it's not my fault. Uh, I, I think, you know, most of us um, would be very uncompelled by that. And, you know, we could, and we'd be very uncompelled by that not because we disagree with the empirical claim about like how physics works. Uh, I think, I think even if you just, you know, maybe you think that maybe you don't, but I mean, like, even if you completely put yourself into that deterministic mindset, you just, you just sort of accept at least for the sake of argument that yes, absolutely. The, uh, the, uh, you know, indeterministic readings of quantum physics or whatever are wrong, right? Like everything that ever happens, it's all like those like word problems in high school physics classes about the, you know, the bat hits the baseball at such and such velocity and blah, 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 right? If you if you know all the starting points and you know all the physical laws, you know what you're going to end up with, and there's no, uh, you know, what, what had the decision-making of the human brain is not some special magical exception to these general laws of cause and effect, Um uh, you know, if you know if a supercomputer was tracking the position of every molecule in the universe at time T1, it would be able to spit out, you know, the positions of all the molecules in the universe at time T2. All that stuff. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about cause and effect, right? causal determinism. You wouldn't really accept that as the right kind of I couldn't to, uh, to get your friend off the hook. Uh, and there are different ways of parsing what's going on here, and it could just be that we're all just deeply incoherent about this. You know, there are, you know, I mean, like that possibility, but it could also be that the conception of freedom that we're, we're working with intuitively, uh, even if we don't realize it, even if it seems confusing when we start to reflect on it philosophically, uh, is actually a compatibilist one. In other words, it's one that says that, yes, even if, uh, every single thing that ever happens is completely deterministic. Uh, that there, there is, it's always the case that, you know, ever, you know, there's always a chain of cause and effect. And it's always the case that, you know, given the earlier links in that chain, the, the later links are, are unavoidable. You still think that some human decisions, not all, but some, um, you know, seem like things that people are in control over and, in the right way to uh, to be responsible for them. And there's a I mean, lot. I, of- I was thinking, like, as if I wasn't wasn't doing this podcast with you, but I was doing this podcast yeah. with Sam Harris. And if you asked him, like, you know, Sam, did you did you choose to have me on the podcast today? And you know, he might catch himself and stop himself <laughs> from saying, yeah, yeah. 
if you were talking about free will, he, he would, uh, in that context, he'd be... Yeah, know, yeah, he would catch himself. But, you know, if, if I was there to talk about privilege, about the woke moralists or whatever, he'd, yeah. probably, he'd probably say yes. Or, you know, if, if I asked him, you know, if... If, if you know if he chose to start the podcast like you know and, and if you know and i try to get him to kind of explain why he did so he would tell this kind of human story about his own choices about his own kind of capacities as, as a as a human to choose between various options and you know he might catch himself but it does seem you know it's it's People, I think there is one conception encouraged very much by Sam Harris, which is presumably something we're going to talk about, that compatibilism is just kind of philosophical word games. But yes. everyone really knows, if they think about it, that compatibilism isn't true, that compatibilism is changing the definition of free will. But I think it's, it's true, as, as you're making clear, as you say in the essay, that in fact, compatibilism completely coheres with our usual sort of language. Like you use the example of, you know, I could have made that shot uh, talking about a basketball game. And as opposed to the idea that compatibilism has, is, has this ridiculous idea of could, you know, like compatibilists, for the people watching, compatibilists assert normally that we could have done otherwise. Um, and the free will skeptic will say, well, no, obviously you fucking couldn't, mate. Um, you couldn't have done otherwise because blah, 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 metaphysics. But obviously how we actually use that word in common human language, when I say I could have made that shot in basketball, when I said I could have gone to the shops today, when I say use this word, I could have done this, I could have done that, I could have done otherwise, what we, don't, what we mean there is we're not defying the laws of physics, determinism and so on. We're describing kind of an internal process which goes on where we make choices based on our desires via kind of like a process of, of human reason. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so. So, um, I mean, I think this, I think there's an interesting question here because definitely one of the arguments that Sam Harris makes against compatibilism is just, you know, like there's a lot of modeling, uh, basically uh, in, that, in that book, but like a, a big a big chunk of it is just like Ocon. That's obviously not what, what ordinary people mean when they, they talk about free will, uh, that they, uh, that it's, uh, this is, you know, this is, um, like, you know, sure. This is some, you know, philosopher's trick that, you know, we can like play with words, you know, to, to make things come out a certain way, but you know, you're just like, you've just gone this huge distance for what we all ordinarily mean, which is interesting. I should say, one of the things I find interesting about this argument is that even as he makes it, right? Like, he also thinks that we can see that we don't have free will just by reflecting on ordinary experience. Um, which he gives various wacky examples for. Yeah, he gives terrible examples for. We can get into one of those in a second, but it's like, uh, I, yeah, I think it's a really bad argument, but like in... Uh, but I, I just wanted to note before we do that, like, yeah, okay. So this is a weird view that you're saying that on the one hand, most people believe in free will. And on the other hand, uh, what they mean by it is this like really demanded that it would be really hard for anything to actually count as. 
And three, uh, it's just sort of trivially easy to see from like reflected in your conscious experience that that we don't meet that bar. So it's like, well, hold on. If it's that easy, I mean, how how stupid do you think most people are? I mean, like that they, like that they just, right. they it's just quite a kind of post Foucauldian kind of. If we just reveal the violence in the system, then yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like it's, uh, it's like, um, yeah. I mean, actually, there's yeah, there's an interesting analogy there. But yeah, I think that um, you know, it is just funny, like how easy he thinks it is to show that we don't have, like, the kind of, the way that he understands free will um, is that you have to be, um, like, you have to be consciously aware of why you're making a decision in order for it to, to count as free, uh, that the, it has to be sort of, like, present to your awareness, and you have to... Um, and uh, and also, he's very explicit about this. There's this sort of deep. Um, it's like it has to be that there uh, that you could have done otherwise, and as I'm sure we'll get to, and as as you kind of already did a little bit, right? You know, the uh, you know there there are lots of different ways that you could understand that phrase. Could have done otherwise, but it has to be that you could have done otherwise in this like super demanded sense that you have to have. Uh, that it has to be the case, like, given in the every... exact same circumstances. What's that? In the exact same circumstances, you must have done otherwise. Could yeah, exactly. Done the exact same circumstances. So, like, you know, like just just neuron by neuron, the state of your brain at the time that you made the decision was exactly the same, and everything about the world around you was the same. Everything was the same, right? Everything has to be the same, and. Um, that it, all of like that it has to be possible that like just just given the sort of total state of the universe, including you know included atom by atom, neuron by neuron, the total state of you, that you could have done otherwise at the the time that you, uh, that you made the decision. Uh, and you know I agree with him that we we definitely don't have that kind of free will, right? But uh, but then he. He thinks, um, I even agree with some of his reasons for, for thinking we don't, although I think some of them miss the mark completely. But, um, but you know, I mean, I think there's a sort of general sense in which, sure, like uh, the more you learn about science, the, uh, the more things you can sort of provide complete causal explanations for, right? You know, here, you know here's the sort of, uh, you know, here are all the causes that led to this thing happening. Um, I always say, like, you know, when I haven't actually taught it in person into a class in a while, but like when I when I used to, right, I was to sort of motivate people to, to to take determinism seriously as a possibility. You know, I would say, like, look, imagine that your car breaks down and you take it to the mechanic, and he says, "There's nothing wrong with." Uh, there's nothing wrong with the battery. There's nothing wrong with the engine. There's nothing wrong with the alternator. There's nothing wrong with the belts. It just stopped working. Um, you think, oh my God, I learned a new thing about reality today. That sometimes, you know, cars just, just stop working with no cause. You think that's not a very good mechanic. I, I, I want to find a better one, you know, who could, who could help me. Uh, or even if for the sake of argument, you think that like something really mysterious happened to your car, you know, you would, 
you'd still think that uh, there is an explanation waiting to be found, even if even if even if uh, you know a good mechanic for whatever reason couldn't figure it out, right? So the question is, well, is decision making in the human brain going to be like that? You know, yeah, I think that's extremely plausible. Um, there there are people who who think otherwise and who aren't like idiots. I just think they're wrong. Um, that you know, so like the Robert Kane of you I mentioned in the essay. I should say, by the way, uh, one thing that's likely to be super confusing here is that uh, the free will debate involves a lot of words that also have political meanings, and uh, <laughs> so I I can see especially yeah, the, the, the libertarians don't want child brides or anything. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, not, not that kind of libertarians. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I say sort of uncharitably perhaps in the essay that political philosophy and libertarianism refers to the view that the right of rich people to keep all their money is more important than the right of poor people to not starve to death. Uh, and so I feel sort of bad for the free will libertarians that they share with that, but just in a totally different You are just innocently wrong. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, it's it's uh, so much more innocent kind of wrongness uh, than, the, uh, than the political and economic libertarians. Uh, but yeah, Libertarians in this sense, just like, you know, the liberty in that kind of libertarian is, is free will, right? We're, we're both our, our actions and and libertarians roughly think that we have the kind of free will that Sam Harris has in mind when Sam Harris says we don't have free will. Um, and so that we have the kind of free will where in order to have it, the bar for having it is that you have to have this like extremely strict, like, okay, given like everything more or less, right. You, you could have done otherwise. And so there are some forms of libertarians about free will that are, I think, extremely silly, uh, that, you know, people like sort of, once they start talking about, it's like, Oh, there's some sort of third magical form of, uh, causation. That's like not deterministic and it's not, just probabilistic random, but it's like some third thing that it's like really, really in charge of us. And sometimes when they like really, you know, uh, start to go off on that, uh, it gets very mysterious, you know, what that could, what that could be. Right. I, 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 I must say, I, I don't know how libertarianism is meant to work, but I'm not sure if libertarians know either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are definitely libertarians who don't really know how it's meant to work. Right. Cause they'll, they'll sort of, they'll sort of start, um, you know, they'll sort of start saying things about how there's this special kind of, you know, agent causation that's different from, from events causing each other, or that there's a, uh, God, I'm trying to remember Robert Chris Holmes has your phrase about the, the self, uh, it's like the self, actualizing non-causal power centers or something and it's like okay i mean it, it kind of works quite a lot more if you assume that you know you have a christian soul or whatever but it's kind of the people who don't think that that i find the most interesting but i'm not sure yeah so so i want to be charitable here and like you know because like yeah because there is a sort of version of this that's like you know okay um you know we're all, all sort of little you know, we all sort of more or less work the way that, you know, that like Christian mystics think that God does, right? You know, we're, we're uncaused causers of, of other things. And, you know, 
sure doesn't seem like that to me, right? So, so if that's what you mean by free will, then, then I'm on I'm on Team Sam Harris there, I suppose. But um, uh, to be charitable about this, the most plausible version of libertarianism that I know of comes from this guy Robert Kane, uh, who who says um, uh, who is not saying anything sort of strange and mystical. I think he's just like maybe wrong, and even if he's not wrong about the uh, a lot of the assumptions that he's making empirically, then I still think he's I, I still just think he's wrong to like think that all of this would have to be true, you know, for for us to have free will. But he'll he'll say, you know, he's got this this view where you have um, where he says, okay, sure, fair enough. Most of the time, most human behavior is just out of sort of autopilot that you you know you're just going around acting without all that much, you know, you don't like sit around agonizing about most of your decisions, right? You just sort of go but, around. But sometimes, sometimes the neuron activates. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. By and large, you're just, you're just acting and it's, it's causally determined by pre-existing facts about your behavior. Um, and, and fair enough. But he thinks that uh, sometimes there are special decisions uh, where that's not the case. And, um, and so he assumes that a deterministic uh, interpretation of quantum physics is true, which is the first place to flag, like, okay, how sure are you about that, right? Um, yeah. I, as a, you know, I don't, like, particularly feel the need, like, I'm, I don't have a lot of, uh, even as somebody who's sort of professionally in the business of having opinions, I'm pretty happy not to have a lot of opinions about theoretical physics, you yeah, know? You know, I, I do actually have a worry with quantum mechanics and human freedom but my worry is that it might make determinism false and if determinism is false then human freedom is potentially uh, kind of in danger which shows how far down the compatibilism rabbit hole i am yeah you're god it's so compatibilist that you're an incompatibilist about free will and indeterminism uh i'm uh yeah, I'm, I'm taking my compatibilism in moderation. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't worry about that. But, um, but yeah. So, uh, so he assumes that in an indeterministic reading of quantum physics is true, and uh, and that uh, this is going to have like certain kinds of effects in the in like the human brain. Second empirical assumption that he could be wrong about, right? Um, that could. Is you could it could be the case that we're talking about subatomic particles then sure there's like a certain element of randomness um, but uh, but you know that could be true without that having anything to do with you know what's going on I mean Sean Carroll famously says that you know if you're looking for human freedom or you're looking for freedom don't look at particles because we understand the particles more or less perfectly but the thing we don't understand is the brain so don't go <laughs> yeah. looking in the particles like free up the brain because we know exactly how they work. Yeah. I mean, it's a, there's a, there's a funny, like, I mean, how much, I mean, as I understand it, some of this is like an open empirical question. Like if, if the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum mechanics, which is the one that says that, that it is deterministic at subatomic level, there aren't any, there aren't any hidden variables that make it like, you know, deterministic on a deeper level. There aren't, uh, uh, there are like multiple universes split off to that you know to keep so there's like determinism that you know in like a really weird you know way or whatever right like that 
but you know, it really is indeterministic at the subatomic level, that even if you think that's true, my understanding um, as, again, somebody who's, who's not uh, particularly invested in having takes on, uh, on controversies in theoretical physics, that it's, it's a somewhat open question uh, how much that's going to filter up to have effects Uh, how much that's going to filter up to have effects on um, uh, on things like what's going on in the brain, or you know other you know or other kinds of physical processes that you know are are at levels that are of more interest to us than the uh, the subatomic uh, on a day to day basis. But you know, but but Kane thinks that. Um, on certain circumstances where we're sort of like torn between like warring preferences, uh, like he has this example about, about a woman who's on her way to this important job interview and she passes somebody who needs medical attention in the streets and she's like really torn what to do. Uh, and in a way, this is like very like Aristotelian kind of psychology uh, that's, that's going on here that uh, he thinks under those circumstances where the sort of, you know, causal gears are sort of at loggerheads uh, because of these warring desires, that this quantum indeterminacy can sometimes mean that it, it's genuinely undetermined uh, what's going to happen in your brain. And he thinks that these are uh, self, uh, so that these are special, these tend to happen in these cases with these special self-forming actions, SFAs, and those are kind of the times that you're setting the, uh, you know, you're like setting the dials on your your cognitive autopilot. And so even though most of the time we're on autopilot, we can still be indirectly responsible because we could have done otherwise because we could have set the dials on the autopilot differently in the special SFAs. And to be clear, I think that there is an excellent chance that none of this is true. Like there's a... Right. There's, but that's enough about kind of the best efficient defense of a, of a weak position. Let's go to the yeah. worst defense of a weak position, which is Sam Harris's view of free will. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. I think, I think very similar to Jordan Peterson. What I find most interesting about Sam Harris is kind of, from my perspective, what are kind of very bad arguments for his position, but on the other hand, his massive popularity. So totally. obviously someone that comes up a lot on, on Reddit as philosophy. You give one very wacky example in the book of where he tries to disprove free will by making us like randomly think about something, which is like yeah. exactly not the kind of action that we yeah. normally classify within free, like kind of, this is the, this is like kind of the opposite of a prototypical example of a, of a free will action. Totally. Yeah. So he, he says, um, so I, I, I embed the YouTube video of this lecture around the time the book came out where he, uh, where he does this, uh, this always drove me crazy because it's like, I, anyway, I I am so confused by how he thinks this works, but uh, but I I do think like part of it, right, Sam Harris, you know, who I do say like two, two and a half nice things about in the essay, although you know the vast majority of it is devoted to giving him a hard time for you know the various about it, which I really do think there are like a lot. This is one example that I care about, but um, there was a time when uh, my, my friends Mark Ward and Ryan Lake and I were actually talking about, uh, this is like years before I started my own podcast or whatever, 
uh, we were, we were going to start a website or a podcast that was going to be called Sam Harris's uh, Always Wrong. And, uh, and it would just but, be but the thing is, compared to most of the people he speaks to, he's the sensible one. He is. He totally is, right? I mean, like, he's added this sort of original um, intellectual dark web, uh, which is a sort of weird kind of, you know, half-joking media-branded exercise from a few years ago. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's also like, it was very much a self-conscious branded exercise that he and the rest of these guys participated in. It's not like just somebody like randomly applied this label to him while he had nothing to do with it. He, uh, he definitely did, uh, you know, participate in the photo shoots and all that, you know, for uh, the original New York Times article where he and the rest of these guys are sort of standing shredded darkness, kind of going like this. And, you know, they have a uh, uh, look at these dark edgy thinkers and the, you know, important truths they're revealing. Um, but in, um, but I think that if you compare him to like some of the people he was hanging out with back then, look, I mean, God, if I had to pick, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like a little bit like a uh, one of these like, well, like fuck Mary Kill kind of things. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like, look, if I have to pick, I mean, I'll go with I'll go with Sam Harris because like he's. Uh, if you look at the kind of issues that he fell out with these guys about, it's like they're they all believe like crazy shit about like COVID and the 2020 election. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, so it's like, yeah, it's more reasonable than them. Um, you know, yeah, all Sam Harris at least has kind of like a, a grip on kind of consensus reality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, and I actually do think, that, you know, for better or for worse, he has been completely consistent over the decades that he has a, um, that uh, that like I actually don't think he's like particularly audience captured the way that some of these guys get where they just have to like you know they sort of start saying increasingly insane shit to like pander to their audience. Uh, I, I think that he just has his views, which I think are probably pretty authentic because they make a lot of sense for you know I say a little unkindly in the in the essay that you probably can't you know toss an empty starbucks cup in santa monica without hitting somebody who thinks exactly what sam harris does about all of these questions right that like he's because he's like basically just a technocratic uh technocratic sort of um you know liberal who uh you know who thinks that like he sort of distrusts you know um he sort of distrusts uh populism of all kinds and he, right. he takes it for granted and kind of it, popular wisdom too yeah yeah uh he takes it for granted that uh yeah because he reveres science and experts and he thinks you know he thinks that you know we should all be deferring to experts more and he uh and again it's this very technocratic kind of centrist liberalism uh that you know like i'm sure he i'm sure sam harris was probably one of the people who was like oh my god how is this you know, how is Hillary Clinton not winning this election? She's the most qualified candidate, you know, in the history of candidates. Uh, and, and he and he takes it for granted that, you know, like, uh, the, you know, we, we live in a scary world and the U.S. military is a benevolent force in that world. And, you know, even on Israel-Palestine, where, uh, you know, I think a more thoughtful version of some of his views might, might lead in a different direction, right? I mean, he's like, yeah, there's the... These like you know, scary irrational Muslims, you know, creep me out. You know, like they, uh, like like there are all these Israelis who who seem like the 
kind of people that I'm used to, you know, like that they uh, they they would they would fit right in, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so all of which is just to say, I vehemently dislike Sam Harris's view of the world. Um, it is it is very different from mine, but I also think that sort of has its own sort of internal way of making sense. Uh, that uh, that like once you kind of get it, all of his positions fall into place. Mm. Uh, I would I would argue, by the way, including the free will stuff, uh, that like there's a sort of um, there's this very kind of um, you know utilitarian morality that like fits in. Right, it, it fits very well with like the, the political kind of superstructure of his ideology, right? Yeah, that exactly. Kind of, if, if you take away free will from people, then it becomes much easier to turn everyone into like a number. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, so I think you know, I think this package of views does internally to his assumptions make sense. I just think that his assumptions suck. Uh, and you know, you you kind of mentioned earlier, and I, I know we were getting you know, you'd asked me about the uh, his the particular argument I start the essay with, but, you know, like, at, 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 you know, that argument is, um, he asked people, and, you know, you brought up earlier, it's like, okay, why is it that um, he's making some goofy-ass arguments? Uh, why, what's going, like, why is this so popular? Right? Why, why is this so compelling to so many people? And I think there are probably a few reasons for that. I mean, this is, you know, the same question you kind of raised it last week about Jordan Peterson, although it's a very different answer, I think, in the Harris case. Um, but part of it's just that, look, Sam Harris is a very gifted communicator. He's, he's a good writer. I think I, I think he's a good enough writer to mask a lot of really bad arguments. Uh, he's, and I think that really comes out when kind of on Reddit asks philosophy, kind of one of his followers has to repeat his views. And they don't have his talents, and you're like, that sounds ridiculous. What you're saying, <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, it kind of does, right? Um, the uh, you give the example of that he gives in this lecture, but I think if if you'd read it, you definitely would have given a more recent example he gives, where basically he tries to disprove free will through this kind of like Zen Buddhist internal internal reflection kind of thing, where he thinks if we look kind of inside of ourselves we can't know what our next thought is going to be. Yeah, no, um, exactly. So, so he has and, a... Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got... Like, so his his argument, you know, what he does in this lecture is he asks people to, um, to, to, to pick a city, right? It's like, just, just like, you know, think of a city. As, and he has, again... He's also he's a good writer. He's a good speaker. He's very smooth, uh, very forceful in his presentation. Uh, and, you know, there's something very, like, calming, right, about his, his demeanor. Uh, it's kind of, I mean, yeah, we are talking about Jordan Peterson last week. It's kind of the opposite in some ways uh, of, uh, right, of Peterson. Yeah, yeah. Um, Peterson's such a weird hysteric. Uh, but, um, but, yeah, he, so he sort of... Ask people to reflect on okay, you just picked a city, right? Um, and he makes this very weird claim that if anything's free will, it's this because uh, there's no compulsion for the external world. You know, it's just you and your thoughts, right? So if this 
if this was the free decision, then nothing is a free decision. Uh, which, you know, put a fucking pin in that. I think that is as wrong as wrong could possibly be. But, um, but it, says, well, it, it only seems to take kind of the negative things, like a free freedom from compulsion, right? Without the very important positive side, which is like reasons to pick one thing over another. And if I'm being picked to, I'm being told to pick a random example. I, I don't have. I'm trying to pick yeah. randomly. I'm trying to pick without without reason. You know, like it's the same thing as that kind of thing where it's like, oh, you know, your body chooses if you're going to randomly move your left hand or your right hand before your your brain takes the decision. Yeah, you're like, but, uh, yeah, I mean that makes sense, but that's not freedom, yeah, is it? Yeah. No, exactly right. So it's like he. So he says, uh, he says, you know. You don't have any control over which which cities happen to float up to the surface of your mind, or like which one of those sort of strikes your fancy at the moment. About which I would say, yeah, correct, right? You don't. Nobody has ever thought you do, Sam. Like this is like I don't know what this argument is directed against. Um, that this isn't the kind of thing that any halfway plausible account of free will is is claiming is free will, uh, because for exactly the reason you just said that they that. Uh, not in when you like what the prompt like the prompt is essentially open up your mind to whatever whim happens to skitter across it and then report back to me right and it's like, okay if people are playing the game they're being asked to play then there's no planning or deliberating courses of action or reasoning or any of that stuff that people actually care about when they care about free will right that's the like when you talk about, you know, being in control of, of your actions, I mean, that's all the stuff that people are really, uh, are really thinking of. Uh, and so, so it's like, yeah, no, no shit. You don't have any, you know, free will there. Why, why think that you do? Um, and I think, and, you know, I, I contrasted the, the essay with a, a classic example from, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, who in his essay Existentialism is a Humanism, about a, a student of his during the Nazi occupation of France who was torn between state and taking care of his mother, who, you know, he was the only support left for her and, and going off to join the Free French Army to, to fight the Nazis. And, um, and how, you know, it was like different kinds of senses of duty were pulling at him, he was trying to figure out what to do. Uh, Sartre, I think, was massively unhelpful to him uh, in this, right? You know, you know I, don't, I don't think he actually I mean, helped. I mean, Sartre was not a good person. And, you know, and, and there's no, there was no delusion on his part. He knew he was a bad person. And that's yeah. quite obvious writing. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, I think, I think Sartre probably gave him a little speech about how, you know, we have to, you know, uh, you know, you're alone with your freedom and you have to, you know, decide what to, you know, like, like this is, this is how you create yourself or something, which is, you know, nice, but whatever you think about that philosophically, that's, that's not useful uh, to somebody in, in that, uh, that circumstance. But, uh, regard- but I, I'm, I'm very glad that you included this in the article because I, I think it's very important to kind of, that's, I think, the other interesting part in terms of popular take up that, there's lots of people online who read Sam Harris and then are convinced they don't have free will and become like quite depressed or anxious about it. Uh, and it's like, you should be, you should be anxious, but you're anxious about completely the wrong thing. 
The, the yeah. problem isn't that you're unfree. The problem is that you're free and that you have so much responsibility and kind of like a, a, a world on your shoulders. Yeah, I mean, Star Trek's view is that this is like a really distressing thing about the human condition that uh, we have, um, that in fact we're sort of, you know, thrown into the world uh, and, and kind of, you know, yeah, he says condemned to be free, that you have a that you have to make these decisions, that you have to sort of create the world around you, uh, even, you know, sort of without assistance. Uh, and uh, and there's, there's something that's there's something that is uh, incredibly anxiety provoking about that. Uh, and uh, but the reason, you know, that I, I was using Sartre here as the example, um, you know, probably have kinder feelings to him maybe than you do, but I have a uh, uh, but you know, might have been a little sketchy in his his, his personal uh, personal life. Oh, no, I think mean, he's a good philosopher. I don't really mind about him being a bad person. This is funny to bring yeah. up. Uh, fair enough. Uh, we'll uh, we'll do the uh, uh, you know. I think I think we can skip uh, is uh, is Star Trek heaven for uh, for this week and uh, <laughs> just talk about the philosophy. But uh, and, uh, like one of the reasons that I'm bringing him up is that this is a guy who is, in terms of the sort of uh, philosophical tradition he's in, the concerns he has, what he's trying to argue for, is like completely different from where I'm sort of phoning in from, right? I mean, like this is a, uh, you know, this is the continental philosopher's continental philosopher, uh, you know, and, uh, and, um, and he's he's certainly not trying to argue for compatibilism I mean, or anything like that, right? Like that's that's not at all the point. You know, uh, he's, he's he's asking different questions about free will to the extent he's asking the same questions. His answers are just wildly different, you know, from from what I I, I give in a lot of ways. Uh, but nevertheless, this is something that like that's the kind of thing that people are actually thinking about when thinking about free will, right? I mean, this is the there's a reason why this is a kind of prototypical example, because just to circle and underline what you just said, I mean, there's, this isn't just like, oh, whatever whim thoughtlessly takes me at the moment, right? I mean, like, which is so much of Harris, but not just the lecture, the book, like, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I don't really know. I stopped practicing martial arts when I was younger and then I picked it up back up again. I don't really know why, you know. I, it's like yeah. It's like if that's true, man. Like, why am I bothering talking to you? If you're not, in, if you're, not, if you're not in charge, can you show me to who is? Like, <laughs> <laughs> can I, Yeah, you want to? Oh, 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 Karen here wants to talk to Sam Harris's manager. Uh, yeah, but yeah, right. No, I, I do think uh, he's he's probably underselling his uh, his degree of uh, agency about some of this stuff. But like, look, there's some truth to that. I mean, like, I think that people um, like. Look, quite a bit of what we do in life, even some important things, is is you know we're just kind of thoughtlessly going with the flow. Fair enough, right? But that's not the dimension. That's not the that's not the subset of human experience that we're interested in when we ask this question about free will. Right? What we're interested in is, um, you know, are our capacities for like reasoning and planning and all of that stuff, right? I mean, that's the, those are the capacities that we're interested in when we ask these questions about, about free will. I mean, like, like typically free will is something that we think, um, you know, like we think of human beings under a recognizable range 
package of circumstances who aren't suffering from severe mental incapacities, et cetera, et cetera. Like those are the people that we think, oh, you're responsible for what you do because, uh, because you did it of your own free will. Whereas like, you know, we have, uh, you know, my, uh, Miniature Schnauzer Lucy certainly has preferences and desires, but uh, we don't really think that she's in control of of her actions in the same way, right? You know, that's like, you know, she's not deliberating about whether to, to you know, start barking at the squirrel and, you know, um, there's like, and, and we think that like young children, because they at least have, you know, they might have the capacities to some extent, but it's, it's diminished, right? You know, we, we don't think that they're, uh, you know, doing things of their own free will in quite the same way, and, and, and etc. Right. So, like, I think that the like when Harris takes us outside of the domain of reasoning, and planning, deliberating over different courses of action, I think he's taking us. I think he's the one, right? Like, like the compatibilism chapter in his book is called "Changing the Subject," but I think he's the one who's changing the subject. Right. He's talking about something very different from what I think people typically have in mind. When they talk about right. Real. I mean, when I when I was talking with Doug, he was like, you know, you're just talking about kind of, you know, like banal, practical, like this is just what we do during our day. And I'm like, yeah, exactly, and that's all there is. And you don't need anything else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think, um, yeah, no, and also I, sh- I should say too, right? This is only like, like there's like a, you know. There's like a few paragraphs. This in the essay is it's very lightly touched on, but I do want to write something in a future, not next week. I have something else planned for next week, but in a, f- a future week, I do want to write something about this, which is that I know that a lot of people who are listening to this, or I would say listening, whatever, watching this, could be listening to it, right? Could be doing something in the other room while it's on in the background. Is uh, a lot of people who are listening to this or watching this. Um, you know, or leftists because they're listening or watching it, you know, on the This is Revolution or CrossTrade.GTAA, right? So they're, they're people who subscribe to those channels. They're they're uh, they're lefties uh, by and large, right? I have a I have a few libertarians who hate watch my show and I love them, but the uh, but uh, by and large, <laughs> uh, and so I think that there's a certain kind of person who's listening to this right now. Who's like, why are these guys invested in trying to make sense of this concept? Right? Like what's, um, because look, even if you think, all right, sure. The sort of metaphysical question or semantic question, or, you know, about, um, whether we have free will or given that people could mean different things by free will, uh, whether we have the right kind of free will to make sense of moral responsibility, um, like, okay, granted, that has to be fought out, fought out in its own terms. Like, we can't just sort of, you know, help ourselves to the assumption that whatever answer we'd find most politically convenient is is true. That's not an honest way to argue. But still, I think people are interested in the question of how this sort of intersects with the political questions. And, and I think that the... Um, and I think some people are probably confused. Like, why, why do Ben and Stefan want this to be true? I mean, is, isn't this like a sort of 
fundamentally reactionary idea because like i think a lot of lefties at least anecdotally in my experience sort of associate belief in free will with things like sort of harsh retributive attitudes about criminal justice uh or well, people mention like kind of calvinism and stuff that basically you know we're all responsible for everything that happens to us yeah although calvinism is a interesting case because calvin sort of says yeah anyway whatever i don't i don't we don't need to be calvin right <laughs> we don't have time uh, for that <laughs> uh no time for calvin sorry calvin uh the uh, but, but yeah because he sort of says that but he sort of denies that we do because god just sort of is taking the initiative to decide who he wants to elevate to the elect right you know it's my favorite scene in the uh the uh the witch you know the, the vivich that thing the uh where uh the like puritan settler and his very young son are walking through the forest and the son is uh says it's like my baby brother who just dies is is he in hell right now and dad says oh maybe right like <laughs> you know because who knows who god could decide to to elevate um but yeah i think that um so yeah, I think people associate it with, with sort of these reactionary kind of retributivist views about criminal justice, or uh, even with this sort of like economic views that's like, oh, people are uh, people just made bad decisions and they should you know pull themselves up by the bootstraps or whatever. And and I do want to write something about this connection about like how to think about the free will debate in relation to some of these political questions at a later time. But I just, maybe before we finish, I just want to say like, I don't know, like think a little bit harder about this. Like, do you really think that the only way to avoid those views is by rejecting the premise that any actions ever are under anybody's control in any morally important sense? Like that's a, that's kind of, I mean, that that really seems like we've we got to, I mean, to me, that kind of feels like there's like a, there's like a fly crawling on the surface of a TV screen and you just smash the entire television to like hit the fly. It's like the, uh, right. and it, like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it would fit with how leftists actually act, which involves various kind of moral condemnations of stuff that quite constantly. Yeah. I remember G.A. Cohen makes this point in his book, uh, Why Not Socialism? That he has this view called, you know, he has this view about you know equality and how this sort of fundamental, you know, like uh, objectionable thing about capitalism is that uh, is is not that there is inequality, but it's linked to things outside of their control. We've talked about this before on the you know here on our Sunday thing, but uh, the uh, but he sort of does pause to say, okay, you might if you just don't believe in free will, uh, then you know, that distinction isn't going to make sense to you, but also let's be real. You do believe in free will. Uh, like we, you know, and he's like sort of in a very funny way. Like he's, he's, you know, kind of snotty about it. He's like, look, you and I both know that the way you've lived your life, like you, you, you obviously believe in free will. You obviously believe that, you know, right-wing politicians who've cut welfare payments are responsible for their actions, you know, Etc. Right. I think that's all true, but you know, it's like also like, yeah, there are bad and politically reactionary ideas where one of the premises that you need to make sense of those ideas is that you know some human actions sometimes are genuine examples of free will. Fair enough, 
But I, I do, I do find the alternative funny though, wherein chat is condemned to watch us, <laughs> in which they uh, have no freedom to choose to watch us; that they were compelled and had no other possibility other than to be here listening to us drivel <laughs> off. Poor wretches, God. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think like. It's like, yeah, so free will is like one of the premises that you need to make sense of that. But like, there are also 200 other premises you need to make sense of like, lock them up and throw away the key criminal justice policies or, uh, or poor people should pull themselves up by their bootstraps economics. And man, you could just reject the other 200 premises. I thought I'd throw that up. It's interesting. Uh, do, you the, like, uh, do you keep it like on top of the mic? I actually don't. So I am. I'm. Uh, as I mentioned to you off air, I'm, I'm traveling right now, and I actually don't have the uh, uh, the, the mic that I normally. Uh, so I'm just using the internal one on the on the laptop today. Um, but uh, but yeah, I. You know, I think there are. Um, I think there are a lot of other things that you need to take on board besides belief in free will to make sense of these things. And honestly, it's kind of making a huge ideological concession to your enemies to be like, the only way I can resist your political conclusions is if I scrap this really basic belief that it's psychologically almost impossible to actually reject. Like, you know, don't do that. Like, just, just, just like fight about all the like actually crazy dubious things I think. Yeah. Um, so Ben, what's what's in the deck docket for next week? All right, for uh, for next week, I am uh, I'm going to um, so you know a few weeks ago uh, you got the uh, the Slavoj Zizek isn't actually a counter revolutionary uh, piece, uh, and this week we're we're doing uh, we're doing bipartisanship and uh, and doing uh, analytic philosophy isn't actually counter revolutionary. Oh, right. I, was, I, was, I really mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, there was a, like an article on Jacobin being like, well, actually, analytic philosophy purged the communists from the whole planet. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, you'll be shocked to know that I don't find that account compelling. So uh, we will uh, we'll be, uh, be talking about that next, uh, next Sunday. Ding, ding, everyone. <laughs>